Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Scott Gillespie. Scott is the Chief Technology Officer and General Manager of Arc XP, a turnkey, fully hosted, state-of-the-art digital experience and e-commerce SaaS platform engineered to meet the demands of enterprise brands, media, and entertainment, and retailers around the world. It's a fascinating business born within the Washington Post, and I'm looking forward to speaking with him about its evolution, as well as what's to come for ArcXP. Scott's been with ArcXP and The Post since early 2017. He's a past tech executive at companies such as Granger and Sears as well. Scott, welcome to Technovation. Peter, thank you very much. Good to be here. But first, a word from our partner, Transmit Security, and the company's co-founder and president, Rakesh Loonkar. Transmit Security is a cybersecurity organization that focuses on identity experience and is enabling a secure and passwordless future. They also recently received the highest Series A venture capital investment in history for a cybersecurity company at a valuation of $2.2 billion. Rakesh wanted to share a couple of recommendations for technology and digital executives on how to improve a company's cybersecurity infrastructure. Thank you so much, Peter. First, I strongly recommend to take part of their budget and dedicate it to really innovative companies. It has to be built into the budgets up front so that it serves as a forcing function to really look for new technologies. The, the second recommendation is outside of identity. There are two very interesting classes of security technologies that are emerging. The first one is improving the quality of code to make sure that your developers are not introducing software vulnerabilities. The second is cloud security. I think we're in the first inning of hundreds of companies that will be created offering really innovative ways of securing the multitude of problems in the cloud environments. I just want to leave your audience with this last thing. Every single time they have to enter their password, change their password, can't remember their password or any other problems, please remember transmit security. And now on to the interview. Well, Scott, let's talk a bit about that, the history of ArcXP. What a fascinating platform uh, that was developed originally inside of the post. I wonder if you can Talk a bit about the genesis story of it and maybe some of its early evolution. We'll certainly get into some of its more recent history as well as what's to come. But take us back to its creation, if you would, and and uh, and its early evolution, please. Yeah, sure. You know, and some of this, you know, started before I arrived in in, in 2017, which I think um, you know was because of what was going to be perceived as a success in this space, and so. You know, if you think about publishing in general, you know, for the last uh, however many, you know, 10, 10, 15 years, innovation in that space really slowed down. And those that were in this space from a you know, software solution, you know, uh, provider were typically, you know, these monolithic platforms that have been, you know, in the space for a while. And so innovation wasn't occurring uh, quickly. And as the post was growing um, and really trying to establish itself as a, a national, uh, you know, media organization, it was very apparent that what was uh, the, the technical solutions that were in, in place, what they were using, weren't going to fit the needs. And so they started building, you know, a couple pieces, a couple products to help the newsroom be more successful, to be more autonomous from engineering. Because typically, prior to ArcXP, especially in media, you know, that connection between um, the editorial space and engineers was very tight. You couldn't really get anything done from a User experience perspective, publishing experience, you know, a publishing perspective, you know, without uh, without engineering, and so they started building a couple products and saw some success in some, uh, you know, 
uh, some happiness in the newsroom, which uh, I'm sure you know is, is not easy. Uh, and uh, and so they you know they thought, um, hey, maybe this is something that could work elsewhere. And so as an experiment started with a couple of universities for free. Um, I landed there around around that time. Um, there were probably about four or five products that were that were in place. And um, as we continued to uh, innovate on, a, on the post side, it became clear, at least from my background, that there was a much bigger opportunity here longer term uh, with, you know, with the problems that exist across all these verticals. You know, uh, every brand uh, is a content creator. Every retailer is a content creator uh, and in every publisher and media organization. And so if you can solve it for the masses there, and you know, and just uh, if you look at it just in that perspective for for content creation, um, and if we could augment that with a couple different products, um, you know, make it easier to curate the site, you know, develop on top of the site, you know, innovate on top of it. Our partnership with AWS has always been very strong, and so we had a good foundation that we can build on top of. Uh, and and from there, it, it just evolved, and we started getting customer after customer. We focused a lot on. You know, I think because we came from that space and publishing and publishing was where we first started, you know, to, to try to uh, you know, acquire customers, we had that in, in, innate knowledge and we understood the space well. And so there was this mutual respect and obviously the ownership and then, you know, the brand of the post, you know, didn't hurt. That's for sure. You, meant, you mentioned AWS and the tight relationship there. It, it w- w- won't be lost uh, uh, for many of our listeners that, that uh, it would be known certainly to many of them that Jeff Bezos personally owns owns the post uh, and of ArcXP. Uh, and as a result of that, um, there's a, a tight relationship across the broader curetsu, I suppose, of Bezos's properties. I wonder, I mean, in, in some ways, the way you're describing this isn't necessarily so dissimilar from uh, AWS itself, you know, a retailer developing a solution to meet complex needs of itself, then recognizing, wait a second, we've solved something that others like us probably have as a need it's, as well. To what extent um, is was that an analogy that was useful in thinking about the broader implications or possibilities of ArcXP? Yeah, you're, you're spot on. And let me just maybe first acknowledge the first point. And so we were using AWS before, you know, Jeff uh, you know, acquired us. And there's a, um, you know, yeah, like you said, Jeff owns the post personally, you know, separate from obviously Amazon and AWS. And it's even more difficult to work together because of that ownership, right? So there isn't, we're not getting any special treatment, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, I, I will say we, we met with Jeff multiple times and, and he, has, he has said that those exact words, this reminds him of the days when AWS, you know, started out for Amazon, obviously at a smaller scale, but, you know, um, the way that the business has evolved, matured, how it's now, how we now have expanded into other verticals, um, and provided, you know, really focusing on the customer, the customer experience, feet, speed, efficiency, productivity. There's a lot of synergies or a lot of um, similarities between, you know, between the two. Very interesting. I, I I also wanted to ask a bit about that initial phases, not long after you joined, when uh, it, the the organization pivoted from. First of all, first and foremost, serving its first customer, the post itself, then uh, having to test with some of the academic papers, I should say the university papers uh, as, as free trials, just to make sure that it was something that could be used outside of the, the four walls of the post, to then go to true competitors in the media space of a property like the post. Uh, to what extent was that controversial in either direction? I could certainly see perhaps some of the folks from the post saying, wait a second, this, this competitive advantage of ours is going to be taken to our competitors. And likewise, potentially some of at least the 
initial concerns that a competitive property might might say uh, or might have rather, excuse me, uh, in, in investing in something that at least was created within the confines of a competitor. How, how did that those early uh, phases work? Yeah, it, um, I, I mean, you're right. I think there's always hesitancy. One, it's something new, and 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 two, uh, when you are a competitor in the space, leveraging the technology. I mean, uh, as you, I'm sure you're well aware, AWS faced the same challenges going after retailers, right? I mean, I remember when I was at Granger. It was like, you know, um, they weren't the first we were going to use. That's for sure, right? And so, um, so we, we kind of expected that going into it. I think the difference was specifically in that case, we, we had very strict policies, user policies, user access policies, segregation of duty, segregation of of, of developments in environments. And so from that perspective, it, it wasn't a concern. It was more just, I think, you know, um, can they be okay with it? You know, and, they, and then as they work through it and we, you know, they, they, we earn their trust and they understand that, look, we're here to help you be successful. It just so happens the post is also using the same platform. Well, there was definitely in the early days hesitancy, but uh, that was overcome pretty quickly. That's great to hear. And talk a bit about um, the evolution. You alluded to it in providing the overview of uh, of, of what uh, ArcXP does. You went uh, initially from expanding tremendously across North American properties and companies, uh, European ones, Latin America, really uh, then circling the globe in terms of the opportunities and partnerships established. Uh, Talk about the pivot from uh, a space where this was born, media, to broader uh, retailers, as you pointed out, and to other enterprise brands uh, beyond media, and what that pivot was, what it took to make that pivot, or maybe in some of the initial insights that this was something that was not specific to us to to one targeted industry. Sure. Yeah, you know, like I said, I, I think it's kind of serendipitous of how this all came together. You had folks that were in media and publishing. You know, in subscription business, and then myself coming from you know retail, large retailers, internet retailers, you know enterprise you know companies, it was very apparent that the problems that existed previously in my in, in the companies I worked with and the solutions we worked with, that this could be something that with the right amount of uh, focus um, investment could fit these other verticals, right? And so so like conceptually it all made sense. Now the execution is the hard part. Uh, and and so as we started getting more successful in, in winning business and making a lot of um, impacts for publishers and and then broadcasters, there's a lot of scale there that is you know probably from a traffic perspective is much more significant than you know either internal enterprise uh, marketing sites or retail. Now when you get to you know conversion and checkout, it's a different it's a different animal. But you look at just the top of the funnel, um, the the sheer amount of volume and traffic, and so. The fact that we could scale uh, for that, uh, plus uh, do it um, globally, so we're in four four AWS regions across the globe. We're in 26 countries now. Um, it was a very natural transition revolution to then focus on enterprise and then and then on the commerce space. And so, you know, an, an example, you know, British Petroleum was a customer. You know, their challenge was. Um, they really look at themselves as a newsroom internally. You know, they they're, they have 80,000 employees they have to reach across, you know, however many countries, 70 different, you know, sites, uh, internal sites, and then external marketing sites. And so that's a lot of content. That's a lot of different channels you have to, you know, communicate on. Um, and rather than use the different point solutions, which they were doing, um, as well as 
the problem that they were trying to solve was collaboration across the functional areas. Built into the platform is collaboration because we knew we had a distributed workforce with, with media, with the newsroom. We knew we were in different locations, and we knew that we had to support a lot of them, 2,600 you know, um, uh, journalists in the post. And so it was a, a very natural fit for the use case that they had. And once we kind of saw that use case, got in production, it just reinforced, you know, our strategy and that we can continue down this path. Now, between publishing and, and the enterprise customers was broadcast. And we, we run some of the largest broadcasters, not only in the U.S., but, but globally, uh, specifically in the U.S., you know, Cox Media Group, uh, Gray TV, Grand Media Group, you know, some really large broadcasters that had very similar problems that publishers did, um, but uh, at a different scale. You know, uh, Gray TV now has over 100 different sites that they run. You know, they are one of the largest uh, terrestrial, you know, uh, broadcasters in, in, in the country. And so the problem that they had was they had local uh, content that was really important, but they also wanted to share national content across each local, uh, local market, and then vice versa, local up to national. Again, the platform supported that, so it was a very natural fit. Now, what they did force us to do was look at our video capabilities, our end-to-end -end video platform. And so while we had a base foundation and a, a base capabilities, for, which was Video Center now, it wasn't what it needed to be for broadcasters. And so we invested a lot in that space. Now, fast forward to today, video is extremely important for retailers engaging consumers through video, whether it's live streaming or that's video on demand, you know, uh, product marketing, it's becoming just as important as a channel or a way of engaging consumers. We fit very well on that. We've scaled to running broadcasters. So, you know, filling this need for, 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 for enterprise or, or retailers is actually a, a much simpler use case for us. And I, I think I heard you in the early part of that, uh, your response, the advantages of having somebody like yourself, who's not a lifetime person in the media space. Um, I know Shailesh Prakash, uh, um, who you work with as well, is somebody who came to media for the first time and taking on a role yeah. in the post. Um, so, so were some of the early yourselves being great examples of this, being from outside the industry, uh, important ingredients in thinking a little bit more fully about the broader implications of this? It sounds like you had some built-in analogies from your past experiences and understood that there yeah. were needs from your past experiences that this could fulfill. Is that correct? I, I think you, it, you're, you're spot on. And, and, and you know, it's, um, I, like I said, it's just a, a great balance because you've got this, just this extreme, extremely well-respected brand, you know, ton of experience um, that, you know, with bringing these elements together and then other folks that we've recruited outside of media has really helped, helped make our solution better for, for the media um, customers and then also for our uh, enterprise and retail customers. Talk a bit about the team that you have built, Scott, um, as you have built out the team more fully and, and, and uh, more, more uh, specifically under the auspices of ARC XP, uh, somewhat uh, at arm's length uh, from the post itself now with uh, this broader purview you, you've described. Uh, talk a bit about how, you, how the, the, the sorts of skills you brought on, the kinds of people that, that now sort of fill the various posts across the, or, the organization. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, they had to, you know, be a, you know, a cultural fit is really important, you know, and, and so, you know, we're a team of, of no egos, you know, collaboration, 
um, really, you know, teamwork is really important, and obviously uh, the values of the post um, are really important. And so that that's kind of like at the highest level, you know, everybody has to kind of meet those those criteria. But you know, when you're talking about scaling a platform, not only um, you know domestically but internationally, it takes unique experiences, and it takes folks that have done this at scale before. You know, feature development wasn't going to be our problem. Scaling this is is where the, the you know some of the biggest challenges challenges were. And so we recruited from some of the top tech companies. We recruited from, you know, um, from folks that worked in spaces, both media and otherwise, but at a much larger scale than just looking at publishers or those that were competitors of the post, uh, because we needed that, that influence and the experience of scaling, you know, beyond just uh, content delivery. And so that was really important, you know, obviously being on top of, you know, building on top of AWS, those skills were critical. Um, we have innovated significantly on top of the, of the platform, um, you know, React, uh, JS. We've modernized it, whatever product was part of the post initially is, is completely been rebuilt and modernized for the, the ARC, um, you know, portfolio of products. And then we've built new products from the ground up, you know, and so... Um, we didn't have a sales organization. We didn't have an account management organization. We didn't have professional services. Uh, we didn't have support. So all of that had to be built out as well. Very interesting. And you obviously at least initially had uh, a, a portion of your team that was in Washington. You're based in Chicago. It would seem, uh, especially as you're in, a, in, in an office right now that has the branding of ArcXP in Chicago that I can see, yeah. uh, that you must have a team there as well. Are there other kind of areas where you have sort of a, you know, a, a groupings of people uh, either across the U.S. or elsewhere. Yeah, you know, obviously it, it made sense. You know, um, you know, hiring folks in, at the post, but then as you know, the strategy evolved. Um, you know, the hub didn't have to be D.C., and so that really opened up you know the opportunity for us. Um, you know, Chicago is a great you know uh, the tech hub. You know, obviously I, this is where uh, many of us have have been for a while. Ton of talent. Um, but I think, you know, if the pandemic has, has taught us anything, you go where the talent is, you know, especially given the current market. And so, you know, we're, we provide a, a very flexible environment for, for our folks to work within. Um, you know, I, I think location is, is becoming just as important, you know, as, you know, other benefits uh, that, that, that folks are looking for. Then also internationally, right? So we've got, you know, we've got presence in, in France and we're starting to open up and in Europe, um, in LATAM, we're starting to open up um, locations for us to hire directly into based on where our customers are. And talk a bit about what the future holds, Scott. Where, where are some of the areas that you foresee having uh, you know, growth opportunities as you look ahead? What's been exciting, Peter, one is just the, 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 you know, the, the team that we've built and just how amazing they are, but then also how much you know, I, I believe we really helped our customers be successful on the platform. You know, they, um, whether it's growth through traffic, you know, revenue, uh, reprioritization of resources to focus on that which is going to differentiate their business, you know, user experience, customer engagement, audience engagement. And so it, it's been, you know, amazing to see some of the progress there. We've got, you know, some of the, the best customers in the world. The market is very ripe beyond media right now, I think, for disruption and for some for a platform that's got uh, a very innovative, modern, cloud-based, decoupled yet tightly integrated plat you know, platform. There's a lot of demand for a headless, headless CMS, headless commerce. 
The reason is because customers and companies are realizing that's not entirely where the value is and where they should be spending their resources. That customers don't care what your backend system is. They care about what their experience is, whether it's across mobile, whether it's across desktop, whether it's, that's uh, through social, you know, email, whatever the, the means is, they care about those touch points and, and customer service as well. And so as our platform has evolved, we've really focused on making those areas, which are critical, the content creation, plus the storefront and site experience, both for marketers as well as engineers. We have the most modern engineering um, uh, environment to build on top of. We want to make sure we're solving problems for those specific personas across those verticals. Now, obviously, there's specific features that we have in our roadmaps across the products that we're investing in that are specific to media, that are specific to enterprise and specific to, um, to, you know, to retail or commerce. But at the end of the day, our goal is to make it as easy for them to get on top of our platform, to drive efficiency, to focus on that which is most important, help them reprioritize. Nobody wants to manage a CDN. There's no value in it. Customers don't care about that. Nobody wants to you know, manage a, a, a CMS. At the end of the day, if, if you've got 10 resources doing that, those are 10 resources that should be over working on the user experience, working on data science, working on, on, on AI. Uh, and analytics uh, and user research, and so that's our approach. That's our value proposition that we that we bring to our customers, and and it's been very successful in the media. And, and it's you know the application of that you know what we've recently signed and launched Golden State Warriors um, and a business that they've launched Avalon Bay, which is the ninth largest REIT. We're running we're going to be running all of their um, you know the the um, user experience for you know their lease applications and, and finding apartments there. Uh, Morningstar, we, you know, we, we just signed. And so, you know, we're seeing the applicability of this and the value proposition really resonate with our customers. It sounds like remarkable growth. Are there other statistics? I know you can't provide all of them, but uh, other statistics representative of the growth you have in terms of companies you, you, you've engaged with, sites you're a part of, uh, unique monthly visitors, any other data you can provide to, yeah, so, to highlight you know, this? At a high level, we run about 2,600 uh, sites, customer domains. Uh, we are in, like I said, 26 countries, I think yep. pretty close to being our 27th. We process about um, 1.5 billion monthly uniques visitors on the platform. So that's our customer traffic and then 8 billion page views monthly. Wow. Just remarkable. And that's, and that's globally. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just in a few years. Uh, you know, it's, it's really remarkable how fast that growth has come uh, and speaks volumes to the value proposition. I want to, if you don't mind, briefly returning to uh, to your owner. What what are some of the uh, interesting aspects or advantages of having uh, a bit more re regular access to somebody like Jeff Bezos, who's obviously involved in this business? I mean, you know, uh, I, there's plenty of people, including myself, that would pay for that access, and so I feel very fortunate and, and lucky to you know, be able to spend you know spend some time with him, you know, as, as we do as a team. Look, I, you couldn't ask for you know a, a you know a better owner. He thinks long term. Obviously, everything that he's done has been amazing. Uh, so, um, and and he understands what we're trying to accomplish. You know, he's done it, and you know, he uses the AWS as a reference inside Amazon. And so, it makes discussions. They're not they're not easier as far as execution. They're easier as understanding and talking in the same language. And you know, and the his vision and his support for a longer term strategy. You know, and really focusing on the customer and speed and execution. And that just you know, permeates into the organization. It's part of our DNA now. 
Great. Well, Dr. Gillespie, thank you so much for joining me today on Technovation, sharing a bit about this remarkable evolution of this business inside and out of the, the Washington Post and the, the, the remarkable span of, of influence you now have with the, the, the engagement you have in a variety of different countries and with many companies. It's been a fascinating story to, to get to know and, and great to hear your story. Thank you. Peter, thank you very much. Really, really happy to, to be here and thank you for your time.